This call is being recorded. Hello. Hey, Asa, how's it going? I'm doing well. How are you? Doing really good, thank you. It's been a while. It has been a while, for sure. Uh, first, uh, well, first know this is a 30-minute call, and I have a call right after. Everything's back to back to back to back to back. <laughs> so busy, um, I love it. <laughs> so the first part, what I the first thing is thank you for being interested. I don't take that lightly, not at all, not one bit. Um, besides that, um, I want to give you the specifics about single con so that you're aware. Mm-hmm. And then the, after that, I will ask you about how you tend to add value, and then we will end the conversation with showing you, showing, giving you information about how that can be a possibility. Sure. Sounds good. So <clears throat> SingleCon is uh, a nonprofit initiative by the Laveau Foundation, which is a 501c3 organization. So SingleCon is an inaugural fundraiser. This is our fundraiser to help the nonprofit. Uh, single con is taking place Valentine's weekend, February 13th to the 16th, 2020, in Miami, Florida, at the DoubleTree Hilton Hotel and the Miami Airport Convention Center. Those two venues are directly next to each other, and they're actually attached, and they are only three miles from the Miami Airport. The intention behind single con is to maximize the energies of single entrepreneurs from the bedroom to the boardroom. Even though we say the bedroom, we're not uh, insinuating that single con is some type of sex fest. If there is conversation around celibacy, we welcome that conversation because people manage their sexual energies different, and we desire to be as inclusive as possible. The... um, we desire for single con to be experiential so that does not look like everybody sitting in a room hours upon hours upon hours in one room where there's a main stage and speaker after speaker that they may not want to actually um, experience they just have to sit through and so because of that we have 32 breakout sessions on friday and 32 breakout sessions on Saturday. The main stage is only used to provide um, announcements, uh, information for everyone, get everybody ready to go for the breakout sessions. That way they can uh, pick their own experiences. So now that I've said that, how would you, how are you interested in adding value? Uh, well, I'm not sure about the experiential part. Um, I, I mean, I probably have to think a little bit more about that. I speak about tons of different stuff. Um, mainly, you know, living, I think the, probably the thing that would come to mind is living as a digital nomad and, you know, working remotely, talking about the future of work and how people could, um, travel and work run their business from anywhere that's probably where i have the most experience obviously i talk about marketing and things like that but um so do so does just about everyone (laughs) um okay yeah so i probably would if i was going to do it probably think about speaking about um running your business from anywhere and what the future of work looks like and um just the remote angle 
Um, <laughs> is there an honorarium or anything for speakers? There's not. There's not. And the reason why is because every speaker that we desire to uh, bring on, we desire for them to sell. We, I have a very, um, how do I say this? Open approach to speaking. I understand mm -hmm. that speaking is a marketing tool. Mm -hmm. And this is a conference for single entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. And so this is the only conference this is the only resource on a national level so the market is new and that's what we're offering to speakers <clears throat> if they desire it that's fine um that's fine i get no. it i agree with that that's we, really true so um in reason so sometimes people are like hey so why would you uh why would you allow every speaker to sell because they're, they need support. The people there need support. That they're already single and they're already entrepreneurs, they need to have something that'll take them until the next single con, because mm -hmm. that's not that's not what I do. I don't help single entrepreneurs. I help queer ones. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm clear about that. Um, cool. And also, let so now that that's given, now let me show you tell you how that looks in three different ways okay. sometimes people come and they're like Asa I want everything I want access to everything you got I want databases I want local places and so sponsorship works for them sometimes people come and say oh and then sponsorships range from 2500 and up and it's all customizable and then some people are like Asa I want to come but I need placement so I need a vendor table and sometimes the vendor table looks like a coaching corner Mm -hmm. So people actually seeing people on site. Um, and well, we don't have a problem with that either. And so there's okay, they want that and they want their their promotional items in every single bag. They want uh to do as many breakout sessions as humanly possible. And that's fine too. So if a vendor says, Ace, I want eight breakout sessions and I have sixty four, well, now I have fifty six. Mm -hmm. And one one person did it. I have spoken at events <clears throat> where I did speaking. I did four times in one day. I've done six times in one day. And I love I've it. You're a machine. <laughs> I am a machine when it comes to that. And But my thing is I've gotten really good benefit from it, not just the practice, of course, of speaking, but the um, either the sales part or the building of the list part. And my thing is let's do it. Let's do it all. Okay. So, um, and then the other part, and, and the vendors are, they pay a thousand, and then the speakers, the speakers get access to everything I said. Um, like, for instance, a life coach that sells 200, uh, a $200 product, and we have a, so in every room, you're going to get at least 100 people per room, 10% conversion rate, they look like selling 10. If it's more conservative, because like selling five. So with if she sold if she spoke two times in both days that's four times so that looks like four thousand dollars that she would have made mm -hmm. um, just off a two hundred dollar product so that's five hundred and then what I'm also able to do for people who are like Asa I don't want to pay either I don't want to pay or I can't pay. 
because of one reason or another. And my thing is in entrepreneurship, can't pay is not the same as being broke. <laughs> all that means is accounts payable, accounts receivable. That's all that meant. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so for those people, I say, if you can uh, shout out the conference and get people to come or send vendors our way so that we can have this make difference um, in every way to include financial, then we're also available to offer everything um, for a value exchange. You are bringing people to us that signed up to be guests or that signed up to be vendors, and we would honor that by allowing you to speak and allowing you to speak as many times as you want to. Um, I know that if you desire, if you desire to come, um, hmm. let me think about this for a second. If you desire to come, what I would like to do for you, and I've, I haven't said this to anyone yet, and I've had three days of calls so far, I would like for you to um, add value to the VIPers if you're interested in that. Hmm. What does that look like? So the VIPers, that they have a bonus day on Thursday. Um, we're working on having a yacht party for their reception that night. VIPers are called our platinum playing field. And uh, they get access to every single track. They have a lounge. They have preferred seating. <clears throat> Uh, when celebrities come, like Monet Exchange, um, and we're working on Joel Brown from Addicted to Success, getting him as well, um, and some others, so they would have the ability to do the meet and greets with them. So, yeah, that's the that's the VIPers. Um, of course, they're paying their their ticket fee is six ninety seven. So these are different income level individuals. Um, and I just think that based on what you want to talk about, you would be a good fit for them. So it would be a like a, a talk or like an experience or how would you like that to work? That, that can be however you choose to say. If you say Asa, what I want is I want for everybody to be at the beach. And I want to teach on the beach. And I'd be like, okay, let's see if we can make that happen. Mm-hmm. Or if you said, Asa, I need them for two hours. I need to take them through something um, that's really going to show what being a digital nomad is all about. Um, and it'll just be in the room, but I need two hours. Then we find out what that needs to look like. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Now that I'm thinking about it, no, what are your thoughts first? Let me see your thoughts first. No, I'm just running it through my head. I'm going to need some time to um, brainstorm a little bit and think about what else might be helpful or how that could look. Um, And like also what, you know, what I could sell because what I do 90% of the time now is either queer hustle or um, Mm -hmm. I have, you know, another business where I teach people how to get speaking gigs and, you know, become speakers. So those are my two businesses. And I don't know that either of those really fit, but I have, so many other things that I could sell. So it's like easy to throw something together. You know what I'm saying? Well, actually the speaking thing would fit with being a single, single entrepreneurs. They need to understand that speaking is a marketing tool. Mm. Um, And it's a different form of income as well. 
Yeah, there's the speaking, there's video stuff that I do, a lot of, you know, content creation type stuff. So I feel like right. I could probably pitch you a few different ideas and maybe do a few different workshop type things. I feel like they would be workshop type things, you know. Okay. And Not, I, don't, also I don't like open. speaking. I like I interacting. Right. I get that. Um, well, the breakout sessions are, they have the ability to do workshops. So they're 45 minute sessions. You can do whatever you want to do in that 45 minutes if you want to do that route. But with you, I'm definitely, I, I want to do something negotiating. Like you tell me, and you can think about this for a couple of days. For, mm. for sure. Tell me what works for you. Like, Asa, I really, the way I see you working for me, this is what I need. This is what I desire. This is what I'm open to. And then we have a conversation that goes back and forth because I would really like you there. You are definitely somebody that is, yeah, I really want you there. Okay. I would like to be there. Um, but I want to make it work for both of us to think about for sure. Right. I just want to make it work for both. Yeah. And I me think too. it can. I really think it can. Just let me know what you need to make this work. <clears throat> okay. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, let me give me a couple of days to brainstorm and I'll get back to you, uh, shoot you an email. Okay. That works. Cool. Is there anything else you want to cover? No, that's everything. Um, that and this is how it flows. Every single person, I give the I give the updates about what it is. You talk about what you, how you provide value. I mm -hmm. tell you how you can, and then that's it. Um, how many how many people are you on track to get? <clears throat> so we have 106 people who have went through our link and expressed interest to be speakers, and um, I don't need 106. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Yeah, um, exactly. With so we only have vendor space for fifty, mm -hmm. and every single vendor that we've talked to is interested in speaking. So mm -hmm. if that comes out, we only are going to need people who are not vendors. We're probably going to need like twenty to thirty. How much is it to be a vendor? A thousand, and that that covers the three days um, of just having a table there, being present there, and getting able to speak um, how many times they want to. Okay. And how many attendees are you expecting? 2,000. Okay. Cool. This is a big deal, man. Yes. <laughs> yes. I love it. My, my days are nuts these yeah. days. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, uh, this is great. And I think, you know, obviously we talk more words about this at another time, but I'm thinking to uh, change how Queer Hustle is organized uh -huh. um, because it's so difficult to get. Well, I've just the way I've done it is a little bit, I think. Um, I think I could do it in a more effective way. And so probably for future years, I want to talk to you about doing something together. I am totally ready for that conversation. You let me know we want to have that one and we can move forward. Cool. Well, yeah, I mean, I can only get like 75 people in a room for Queer Hustle, you know, and they're queer women and they don't want blah, 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 blah. So, I mean, it's an important space, but it's not going to make me any money. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, mm -hmm. ugh. Um, so, yeah, let's talk about it another time. I'll get back to you about this stuff and um, we'll take it from there. Okay. Thank you so much, though.
Yeah, cool. Um, good luck with the rest of your calls today. I'll catch you soon. All right. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Podcast is to ensure that you, the aspiring entrepreneur, you, the dreamer, you, the person that feels that you are pregnant with a a business idea, something that you want to bring to this world, something, and let's just be honest, you want to get paid for, even something that you want to uh, change the industry with, you want to dominate that industry. That's what this podcast, this is what this platform is for. So you can have the necessary information, the necessary tools that you need and that you deserve to get there quicker, sooner, and faster. So again, I am your host, Asa Laveau. We have a great show for you today. The reason why I'm saying that, because I often say to you guys that there are five pillars of business. So those five pillars start with marketing, telling people about your business. The next one is about sales. That is actually making the money, letting somebody understand what you have to offer and then giving them the grace and the space to choose you or what you're offering. And then right after that is operations. So we're, we finally are telling people about the business. We're finally making money. Our cash register, whether it be a physical cash register or a virtual cash register, they are ringing. Like we are getting notifications on our phone. We're making sales. It's feeling great. But what's next? Making sure that the system is, in fact, in place so that we can have a sustainable business. And within operations, sometimes we don't even consider that we're going to have to hire people. We're going to have people on our team so that we can scale. And what I mean by scale, we want to be able to grow the business in a, in a way that's bigger than what we can do. All right. So without further ado, I want to bring on today's, today's guest. And today's guest is Delmar Johnson. She has an organization called HR Brain for Hire, also known as the Rebootologist. Now, the reason why I'm bringing Delmar on is because I know that you are definitely, definitely, definitely going to be uh, one day, if not now, getting ready to have somebody in your business that's working for you as a contractor or an employee. So I want her to be able to help us uh, go through that journey together. And so without further ado, welcome Delmar. Hi, how are you? Hey, Asa, how are you? I'm so happy to be here. I'm doing really, really well, very well. So before we get started, something that I love to do so I, I don't know. I, sometimes I know that when I bring people on, they can be a little bit nervous. But with you, I don't think that's the case. But I'm still going <laughs> to continue. So one of the questions that I'd like to ask is, what was one of your favorite cartoons growing up? Oh, that's easy. Scooby-Doo. <laughs> oh, Scooby. Okay, why Scooby-Doo? That's a good. I like that choice. So why Scooby-Doo? Scooby-Doo was about uh, was about solving mysteries. Obviously, it was a cartoon, but it was about solving uh, mysteries. So I always like to try to figure out what it is that they were trying to find out or who was the culprit in the Scooby-Doo uh, uh, 
in the Scooby-Doo schemes, if you will, the Scooby-Doo crimes that they were trying to uh, investigate. So that I had a whole list. You know, I was a real kid. So I had a whole list of cartoons, but Scooby-Doo <laughs> was my favorite. <laughs> well, cool. Um, so the reason why I asked that, because one of the things that I definitely want to make sure that the people that are listening understand is that in entrepreneurship, it's important to be a whole person. And so yes. just because, you know, we talk about strategies and developing businesses, there are people behind these things. And it's okay to actually see the person and not just the business. Exactly. I'm in total agreement with you. It's like we have to understand as entrepreneurs that we were human beings long before we decided to be entrepreneurs. Exactly, exactly. So uh, another question that I make sure that I ask, because this, this, uh, this show, the purpose of this podcast is to ensure those people, the, the young women, the young men, the older men, the older women that are looking to start their very own business. Uh, and my thing is you are as young or as old as you feel. And so if you're looking <laughs> to build your business in your first $10,000, what do you feel was the number one uh, barrier for you that looking back, you're like, if I would have just handled that barrier, I could have made my first thousands of dollars quicker, sooner, and faster. What was that one thing that you wish, looking back, you could have gotten over sooner? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a good question, Asa. Probably a different, a couple of different pieces to it, but probably the number one thing is to understand the problem that I solved quicker. If I had gotten more into what I like to call the zone of genius, which is perfect for the Genius Academy, right? Um, probably really exactly. down what it is that I wanted to offer that was a solution for entrepreneurs. Because a lot of times we can okay, get so place, when you right. You are very, very correct. So when you first started out, what was it as niche as this? Did you know you wanted to help people bringing people onto their team with human resources or was it just um, it was more broad? It was a little bit more broad because at the time when I actually started thinking about this entrepreneur journey that I've been in for the past several years is like I was more of an empowerment girl. So I was really, I was kind of split between, okay, do I want to do the empowerment side of who I am or do I want to do the side of me that had 20 plus years of experience in the HR field and how would I utilize that? So I wind up choosing the HR side first because the empowerment is natural. The empowerment comes with me everywhere I go. So uh, once I got that narrowed down, I actually had a coach that, that took me through some personal development um, personal development cycle with her coaching program. And that actually helped me narrow down. So, okay, let me get focused on the piece that's already in my hand, which is the HR side, because naturally the empowerment side is going to come out. So once I got clear about that and began to just kind of test the waters, if you will, then I was able to begin niche it down to what I was going to be doing on the HR side for entrepreneurs. So I'd like, and we're going to stay there just for a second. And yes, we are. So if you're listening, yes, we are going to get to making sure we, we rack uh, Delmar's brain about HR. But one of the things that you mentioned just <laughs> now was about the empowerment. So a lot of times I see that 
many people, especially women, especially women, they come into the entrepreneurial world and when asked what they intend to do in that world, a lot of times their response sounds like empowering, empowering women, empowering children, empowering mm-hmm. teens. Do mm-hmm. you feel that when you hear that, that's usually um, a, a, a statement that needs to be filtered or is that something that can actually be uh, quantitative as far as how to make money from it? Well, I, well, I think it's both. I think, first of all, you have to filter. So if you're going to be in the empowerment realm of the industry, you have to filter where you're going to direct that energy toward. Because, because a lot of times when you're starting out as, as an entrepreneur, you think that you're supposed to serve everybody and you're not. Um, this world is big, obviously, 7, million, 7 billion plus people on the planet. However, when you're, when you're trying to figure out which direction you're going to go and if the empowerment side is going to be the side that you need to define, you can even niche that down even further. Are you going to be empowering women through domestic violence? Are you going to be empowering women who are trying to get their finances together? Are you going to be empowering women that are, you know, like to travel and want to know how to do that on a budget. So, you know, narrowing down what that empowerment is going to do, uh, whether that's with women or youth or, you know, men too, um, then you have to define where you're going to direct that empowerment toward. And yes, it can be quantified and making money off of it, but you have to first get clear about what you're doing before you begin to make the money, if that makes sense. It makes so much perfect sense. Thank you for that. And one of the things you you touched on quickly is thinking that it's for everyone. And a part of mm-hmm. marketing, we talk about the five pillars of business. When you say that, you know, mm-hmm. my product, my service is for everyone, you can tell that right then and there, you don't understand. And it's really for no one at that point. When, once you niche mm-hmm. that thing down, then you can get very, very clear and go after the person that's been waiting for you uh, for sometimes their entire life. They've been waiting for you to show up, but you don't know that until you niche down. So thank you so much for saying that. Definitely. Yes. So the next, um, the next question that I have for you is, okay, so I, my, let's say my name is Ashley, and I say Ashley. I like that name because I know men that are named Ashley, and I know women that are named Ashley. So let's say my name is Ashley, mm-hmm. and I am just now getting started. So I have a business, and I'm, I'm starting to understand that this is a lot of work, and it's taking mm-hmm. everything out of me to do this thing. What would you tell me to consider, like I have things working, but I am feeling very, very overwhelmed at this moment. Um, And so what can I do Mm -hmm. or what should I consider as far as bringing somebody on my team to alleviate that level of overwhelm? Great question. It's a question I've asked, probably the number one question I've asked in all the years I've been doing HR is like, where do I even start, Delmar? And you really start at the beginning. A lot of times uh, entrepreneurs will come to me when they're in a state of overwhelm and then they don't hear what I'm saying. So if you get to a point of state of overwhelm, the first thing you need to do is stop. You need to stop, pull out a pen and paper or your, you know, your real cool laptop or smartphone and begin to write down what is it that you're doing in your business right now? 
all by yourself. You know, usually if you're all by yourself, you're the marketer, you're the social media manager, you're the email marketer, you're the salesperson and the candlestick maker. All right. So you're all things, but you need to write down what is it that you're actually doing on a daily basis. Just break it down to daily basis. Obviously, that list is probably going to be long, but you need to find out what are the core things that you're doing in your business that's actually bringing in business, that's actually bringing, allowing you to bring in clients and retain clients and bring on new clients and bring in revenue and profits, hopefully. But before you jump into, oh, I need to find somebody, but you hadn't defined who that person is or you hadn't defined the position or the job or the responsibilities or tasks that you're going to want someone to do. So first, I say stop. If you're in overwhelm, because overwhelm is going to get you in a lot of trouble. Stop, assess, write down, then go back and look at what it is that you wrote down and then define where it is that you need the most help right now. Now, you may need help in all 10 areas that you wrote down on your piece of paper, but what is the one or top one or two things that you know you need more immediate help with and the other things can be added on later. So before you even jump into hiring anybody, you hadn't defined what it is that you need in your business, you're going to be running around in circle on the hamster wheel. So I always say stop, assess, write down, go back and narrow down the top one, two or three things that you know you need help in and then begin to define what responsibilities are part of that, that role that you would like to fill. So thank you. Thank you for that. And so one of the things that I would like to do in this moment is before we go any further is definitely play this out as though I am actually the entrepreneur. So I'm actually the entrepreneur and let's say I have a t-shirt line. I know a lot of times people love um, the success that online apparel companies can have. And so I have an online t-shirt company and so let's, I'm just going to pretend I, I'm Ashley for the moment and you can mm -hmm. stop me or clarify as I stop. So the first thing that you said was stop. So I know business still has to happen but I definitely need to find some type of quiet moment mm -hmm. at least 30 minutes an hour to just stop. Stop yes. doing us to get off social media. Uh, if I'm single get off the dating sites like just for a minute just mm -hmm. be still. Like, just be still. All right. So I got all together and I stopped. And the next thing is to write down things that I'm doing to get business. So mm -hmm. let's say right now I make three social media posts a day. I know I do one in the morning. I mm -hmm. do one in the afternoon. And I do one in the evening. And what those social media posts usually are, they're, most of the time they're motivational. However, they show a picture of myself or some friends of mine in the apparel that I've created or that I sell. And so I can literally say in one of the, I can write down, okay, three times a day, post on Facebook at this time, this time, and this time, and include a motivational quote and a high resolution picture of the items that are being sold at the store or boutique. Correct so far? Yes. Okay, awesome. So then once I write that down, I assess how long will this usually take somebody to do? How long is it taking me to do? So if it's taking me, uh, let's say, you know, five minutes to 
create the content. So I go find the image, I find the quote, and I post it. All of that takes roughly five to seven minutes for myself so I can assess uh, what exactly needs to be done as well as the time frame it needs to be done. And then I can define how important is that particular thing in my business and if that's something that I should even be worried about and if it's actually bringing in sales, correct? Correct. You are on a roll. <laughs> awesome. So I just wanted to make sure for everyone listening that when we when we bring people on to Genius Academy podcast, we are doing so with the intention of making everything a very actionable step so that mm -hmm. you can do this in the moment or right after. So of course we want to be entertaining, we want to be fun for you, but this is for you to make sure that ten thousand dollars is coming quicker, sooner, and faster. So thank yes. you for that. Definitely. So what is one of the biggest, oh, did you have something to say further? No, I'm sorry. I was putting you on mute so you wouldn't hear me cough. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. No worries at all. No worries. We get it. Like you are a human being a human. <laughs> it's okay. So, so what would you say that when people come, come to you, what are one of the things that people say they are so afraid of? Mm -hmm. Oh, good question. What the fear usually hangs around is the fact that, first of all, they don't, they don't feel comfortable in what they're doing. Second of all, is that they don't know if the person is going to be good for their business. And third of all, it's like they're kind of scared to actually give up a level of control in their business when they and don't understand the power of delegation or how to do it effectively. So those are the three areas of that fear when someone comes to me. I don't know what I'm doing, uh, Dale Myers. Like, I don't have a clue. It's like, I don't know if the person's going to be good enough to do it like I do it. And then, you know, the third one is, well, you know, I don't want to give up that much control of my business to someone I don't know. So those are the three levels of fear or the three components of fear that usually someone is speaking to me about. So those, those fears sound very, very valid to me. And mm -hmm. the, the fear that I even hear and that I've even said myself is that mm -hmm. I don't believe that nobody, that anyone can do it the way that I do it. So when you come across CEOs, executives, business owners that say, you know, I just don't really feel that no one can, no one can do this like me. What is your response to that fear? Well, first of all, the first part of my response is, uh, um, okay, I hear what you're saying. I completely understand that. And then I also say, well, I am a resource for you to come to. So to kind of ease that anxiety, that's what I'm here for. That's why I began my brand. And let's talk about what that means. And then I also put in a live scenario. It's like, you know, I'm sure Fred Smith, who is the founder, who is the founder and board chairman of uh, FedEx probably thought the same thing when he wrote that C minus level paper at Yale. Teacher told him it wasn't going to work, but he decided to make it, make, take the risk and do it anyway. Now look at FedEx or the person who started UPS, or the person who, or Jeff Bezos who started, started Amazon. I'm sure he wasn't completely, so, oh, you know, no one can really do it like me, but all those companies are multi-billion dollar companies today because somebody took the risk, somebody uh, sought out, sought after a resource that could kind of guide them, kind of maybe hold their hands and taking that risk that they were doing. And then they had to um, 
put in mechanisms that would help them find the people that would be culturally fit for their business. So I usually start off uh, with, you know, easing their easing their fear, letting, letting them know that I completely hear them. I understand why they've never maybe done it before. I hadn't done it often enough. I'm here to help you. And then I give them a live scenario of the companies that we utilize every single day. If they had not taken the chance or the risk, or it's like, you know, that, that bubbly feeling they probably had in their stomachs, like, oh my God, I need to bring some people on that's going to help me, but I don't know if it's going to work out, but I got to take a chance because I believe in my vision enough for it not to overtake the fear that I have in actually bringing someone on into my business. That thank you for saying that. I can if you're if you're listening to this while you're listening to this, I'm talking to the audience right now. If you're when you as you're listening to this, I I just like you am definitely seeing Del Mar's experience. She has 20 years plus experience in this in this uh, in this particular area of expertise and. If you are looking for somebody to assist you as far as how do I get, you know, everything out of myself and put on paper so that other people can follow uh, the system that I built so that my business can grow and I can focus on things that I'm great at rather than being chief officer of everything, CEO mm -hmm. and COE. So there's no point in doing that. So yes, Delma, I, I brought her on here so she can show you all that there is more to this than being overwhelmed and stressed out and thinking that no one is out there that can assist you. So Delmar, you talked about, you know, Fred Smith and FedEx and you talked and we're talking about fear. What I would like to know and so that the audience can know what what please let me know a time where you had fear in your own business and what did you do to get past that fear Ooh, i've had a lot of fears along the way i remember distinctly in 2013 when i actually had decided to step away from what i was uh, attempting to do at that time at that time i had only been a couple of years into this idea of hr brain for higher uh, brand so i was still figuring some things out right but in 2000, probably 2013, it just seems like it wasn't getting any traction. I said, well, maybe there's some things that I'm not doing right. Of course, we're going to fail. We're going to have failure. That's part of success. And I said, I, I, I couldn't necessarily put my finger on, okay, what is it that I really should be doing? So I actually, out of fear, kind of stepped away from it for, the, uh, for almost a year. For almost a year of doing it. Because I said, I got to figure some things out before I keep spinning my wheels. So that fear actually stopped me. But it, but my fear on the other side of that fear, it actually propelled me into understanding more of what I needed to be doing. So I, my fear actually caused me to stop, but the stopping actually worked in my favor. So by the time 2014 came around and I began to reconnect with my first, with my first business coach and mentor, and actually she was my first paying client when I was test driving everything out, um, picked up the phone and reached out to me and that began and we of course we began the conversation again about some things that I wanted to do but I wasn't quite sure how to do it or how to approach it or how to narrow it down so my fear actually did stop me in 2013 but fear is not always a bad thing if fear is going to sometimes make you be still long enough to figure things out to push you forward then that fear can be used for fuel instead of stopping you completely 
And that's what I used it for. It, it, it calls me to stop real says think about what in the world am i doing do i really want to keep doing this how to do it from a corporate standpoint but the entrepreneurs are not getting why they why what i offer is necessary or what the value that i bring to the uh to the small business and marketplace community so i had to that fear wound up being in my favor so i was had the audacity and the risk taking the risk to actually stop it's like, okay, let me just stop before I, before I just mess up something that I don't want to mess up. So that actually worked in my favor. And I hadn't stopped since then either. So we're five years in now. Well, congratulations on being five years in after <laughs> that, you know, up and down roller coaster of yes. entrepreneurship. And so, and for those of you all that are listening, that is a more common story mm -hmm. than you know this just trajectory that just goes up and up up in a way that mm -hmm. never has a dip and even those that say you know there are this up up in a way there are times that they may never tell you about that are mm -hmm. definitely dips within their journey that are real and my thing is there's nothing wrong with them it's all about how you bounce back recover and show your resiliency uh, throughout that dip and one of the things that you talked about just now was you know that you had to take a year off and in mm -hmm. entrepreneurship sometimes we can feel bad really really bad about the fact that sometimes what we planned just mm -hmm. isn't working so the mm -hmm. money that we thought was going to happen isn't there mm -hmm. the clients that we thought that said they were going to support us not showing up so in those moments we may actually be like you know what it's time for us to get something that I refer to as a silent investor, also known as a job. Mm -hmm. Seriously, yes. to actually pay what it takes to get into entrepreneurship and to build your business because money has to come from somewhere, either sales or an investor or a silent investor, what I call a job. So mm -hmm. can you even uh, say some things to people that may be even looking for a job because I am not one of those people that say or not one of those coaches that suggest that just because you have a job, even a part-time job, that somehow you are mm -hmm. anything less than a true entrepreneur. So if you're looking for a job, what can you offer them as well? Oh, most definitely, because I'm a prime example of that. I was a parallelpreneur, which is what I like to call it, you know, because you're parallel with working your dream on the side and actually able to eat. On the other side, meaning you have a investor, you have a job, a job, whatever vernacular you want to use, uh, that's actually keeping the lights on and putting food on your table. So you have to be practical on one side of your brain, and you have to, you know, still tap into that creativity and innovation on the other side. So I was a parallelpreneur until two and a half years ago. Let's keep that real. I was a parallelpreneur, so I was a teacher. I always wanted to be a college teacher, so I wound up being an adjunct professor for a few years. Prior to that, I was still working in HR, but just in a contractor role. So I am now full time, you know, putting my service out there as an independent HR consultant for the past two and a half years. So being a parallelpreneur actually is smart. If you need to go back to a job or if you, you know, you, you're in your job right now, you're in your career, career job right now, well, that's fueling you to be able to invest in your side dream because your side dream doesn't always have to be your side dream, but you have to make that decision for yourself. I know plenty of parallelpreneurs that actually love their corporate job, 
not just a paycheck. They actually like what they're doing in their job and in their career, but then they also have the passion to do what they do outside of the walls because we really, in, in the full scheme of things, we all should have anywhere between five to seven strands of income. Now, this may not be the podcast for that, but we were talking about getting to your first $10,000. So you want to understand that money can come and that revenue stream can come from different places. It can come from your salad investor. It can come from your, your side dream and your, and your side dream can sprout out to other streams of, of income, right? So there's nothing wrong. I'm one of those coaches and, and HR trainers too. It's like, no, if you need a job and that is actually keeping you sane because you're not doing this, this, um, this, this famine, you know, this up and down thing, you know, you, you feast and famine, as they call it, in entrepreneurship, then that's going to keep your sanity in order to be more focused on what your dream is outside of that nine to five wall. So I'm an advocate for it because I was, because I did it myself. And if there was a time that come in the future where I have to do that again, I would do it without hesitation. Thank you so much for saying that. And Delmar, just so you know, this is the podcast for that information. This is <laughs> exactly. definitely the podcast for all of that, because what sometimes happens in entrepreneurship, and I'm even talking for myself, sometimes we want to wear, desire to wear the badge of entrepreneurship so bad that mm -hmm. we put ourselves in harm's way financially just so that we can make a Facebook post, an Instagram post, a blog post mm -hmm. talking about entrepreneurship but at the same time, we have, you know, you might have children at home. They need to be fed. You have mm -hmm. rent that needs to be paid. And so there's nothing wrong with doing what you need to do to make that happen. Everybody's success journey looks different. No one's success has to look the exact same. Comparison is a thief of all joy. There is no reason mm -hmm. why you're doing, you're setting up your boutique, you're doing your, uh, your apparel line, you're becoming a coach, you're becoming a speaker, you're becoming an author, um, a daycare owner. It does not matter, but uh, we want you to make sure that you're thriving. I myself can remember my little boy, who I call my son, my S-O-N and my S-U-N, not being able to, I sent him to school without food. Why? Because I had a badge of honor that I was an entrepreneur and what really needed to happen, I needed to let that go, let that mm -hmm. pride go, let that ego go mm -hmm. and make some money so mm -hmm. that my boy could eat food. <laughs> because guess <laughs> what? He wasn't eating Instagram. He wasn't eating Instagram memes yes. and getting high off of motivational speakers. He needed sustenance, and I needed to provide that as a father. So please remember in your entrepreneurial journey that all of those things are important, and we don't want you to be homeless. Yes, there are entrepreneurs that have made great successes and have homeless stories. Robert Kiyosaki, the author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, mm -hmm. homeless. Uh, Tyler mm -hmm. Perry, homeless. But mm -hmm. you don't have to do that. You don't have to go that route. And so that's what we're here doing our best to tell you. So, one other thing, Delmar, that mm -hmm. I would love for us to talk about is, is there a way, let's say I'm an entrepreneur, I'm actually the entrepreneur, and mm -hmm. we, I'm just not at a point right now in my finances, because let's say the business really is taking care of me and those that I need to support, or just me, and mm -hmm. I don't, but I know that I don't have the money to really pay somebody a full-time salary. What are some, some alternatives to paying someone a full salary? 
Okay, I got a couple of, a few answers for that one. The first one is something, probably the top, probably top one or two things that I talk about all the time. It's actually, if you're starting out like that and your budget is almost non-existent sometimes, then I would suggest the first line of defense is internship. Having interns and actually develop your own internship program. Now, let me put a caveat on that. It's more than just going out and getting a college student. It's like, oh, yeah, I can go uh, get that college student for free, and I can get them, you know, throw these tasks at that person, him or her, and they can get those done while I'm over here concentrating and talking on the phone with the client. It's so much more than that because there's structure that should be behind an internship. Because an intern, uh, internship should always have an element of an educational experience. If an internship doesn't have an educational experience, you don't have an internship. So there's structure that has to be put around, put around that. I'll talk about that and teach about that uh, all the time. <laughs> so that's probably one of the number of top three things that I'm asked about, how to do that. So that's one element that you can look at when you, your, your money is funny, your change is strange, as I like to say, and your budget is not where it needs to be. Another, another thing is actually building relationship with people who do things that you don't know how to do but you have a skill set that they don't know how to do it. And how about getting on, how about building a, a relationship with maybe some strategic partners that, so if you're, if you're great at the IT side of things, you know, the IT, the technology behind the scene things with business and somebody else is good with marketing, why don't you have a conversation with them? It's like, listen, I know you need the IT part of it, the tech part of it. I need the marketing piece. Why don't, how about, you know, let's do some, some strategic collaboration and I, you know, I set up your marketing plan for you and, uh, and the other person can set up the tech plan for them or go behind the scenes and set up their CRM or something like that. So building relationships with strategic partners can do that as well. And then, you know, you have those uh, platforms like Upwork.com that have freelancers where, you know, even if you only have maybe, I don't know, let's say a hundred dollars to work with, where if you go to uh, uh, Upwork.com, there are, there are opportunities for you to be able to utilize that one or $200 budget that you may be working with and, and begin to get some things done. So you have to really be creative in that. Oh, you know what? Let me give you a fourth thing, Asa, because I said it was three. Let me give you a fourth thing. Also mm -hmm. tap, tap into your friends or your family that is looking to do some kind of uh, sweat equity, if you will, in your business who believes in what you're doing. They have a skill set that they don't mind volunteering some time for you to get, you know, to help get you off the ground and help you build, build the basis of your business. So, you know, I always say don't necessarily uh, put family and friends into your business, but there are family and friends that we have that really believe in what you're doing. And those are the ones that you want to, you know, you want to tap into and say, hey, I need help with this. I know you skilled at that. I can give you some exposure for that if you help me with this. So it's just a, even another barter situation, if you will, even with a good family or friend who really believes in what you're doing and want to at least sow some time into your business, even if they can't sow money into your business. So those are just four things, right, you know, just right off, you know, top of our conversation about how you can uh, tap into a, a skill set that you need, even when you don't have the money for, uh, to give it in exchange for the skill set. 
great, great content um, that I believe was very useful. And for those of you that are listening, please, if you did not catch that, I need you to rewind. (laughs) I need you to rewind now and take notes on every single thing she just offered, because all of those are very, those tools are are going to end up being necessary and tools like those being necessary so that you have them. Um, mm-hmm. So the next question I have for you, so we talked about the different ways to get them. And so mm-hmm. if I'm new to this world of bringing people on, one of the things that I could be totally just something that could just blow my brain about mm-hmm. is, okay, well, I have all these options. How do I vet these people? What mm-hmm. are at least two different questions that I can ask either an intern or a freelancer mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. Um, let's say someone that is bartering services? What are at least two questions that I can ask them to make sure that I, that they can maybe be a good fit for me and I them? Okay, good question. So let's look at it. So you've you've gone through the process that we kind of talked about at the top of the podcast. You've gone through the process of determining what it is that you need help with. And in that, you understand what the tasks are that you're going to want the person to do. So one of the questions could be, one of the questions could be after you've conveyed to them what it is that you would like them to do is to find out what experience, if any, that they have in that area that you particularly need work in. So that could be where they give you a sample of their work. Like, do you have a sample of the work that I'm going to want you to do if it winds up being a good fit? So you want to ask them about their background in accordance to what it is that you actually want them to do. So if they have direct experience with that or if they uh, if it's an intern, maybe they've had curriculum in the in the school setting, in the college setting that they've already gotten some experience through through that uh, through that medium of learning what it is that you want them to do. And then they can come in and um, they can come in and begin to address what it is that you want them to do. But you can always ask for a writing sample. Say for instance, you want them to come in and write, you know, ghost write some blogs. All right. So you can, ask them for writing samples of what they've written in class, what they've written in, uh, you know, their literature class or something like that, just particularly interns. But even with uh, a freelance or someone that you're going to be doing some strategic partnership uh, with, you can also ask them, okay, what type of, what type of um, portfolio of work have you done? You know, what samples can you send me to let me know that it would be a good fit with what I'm trying to do? So that's one question you can ask them. And then another question uh, you can ask them is where have they actually applied those, that skill set before? Has it been in a previous employer? Has it been with other, other people that they have strategically partnered with or other clients? So you can ask those two particular questions of someone's like, you know, let me, let me see your work. You know, do you have examples of your work and where have you where have you applied that work for a previous employer or a previous, you know, strategic partner or uh, another freelance client that you've had? Man, thank you. I believe that the what you just gave really was needed. And people that are listening, I've been an entrepreneur since I was. 22 years old. Currently at the date of this recording, I'm 35. So everything she's telling you 
is things that I've experienced myself and questions that I presented that have made all the difference in hiring somebody or just knowing maybe I shouldn't bring somebody on at this time. So mm-hmm. thank you so much for that. So what I would like to really get into now is one of the ways that you market yourself. So if any of you, so if you're listening, please at this time, go to www.delmarjohnson.com. That's www.delmarjohnson.com. And so one of the things that you're going to find on that website at this time is uh, Delmar wrote a book called Seasons of My Soul. And what I would like to talk about right now is though you really do help, Uh, people with HR, you have to, for yourself, you have to think about marketing yourself. Mm -hmm. And a book I have found is a great way to market yourself by reading an additional uh, resource to Mm -hmm. clientele, to an audience. So how has a book really helped you get your name out there? Well, even uh, even in that book, and I'm actually writing an HR book for HR entrepreneurs right now, um, is it wind up being a business card, if you will. You know, we'll go to networking events or go to conferences or workshops or things of that nature. And, you know, you begin to talk about what you do or, you know, what your uh, zone of genius is and that you do. And a book actually serves as a, as a, as a business card. And you can open up the conversation with with the things that you've talked about in the book. Not necessarily, you know, just say, oh yeah, in chapter three, this is what I talk about, but just talking about <laughs> some of the things, you know, but just talk about some of the things that you've done and, and why it is that you even wrote the book, you know, when you've had that that time to do that. And with that seasons of my soul book, it was more on the empowerment side of me. So if I'm going to a women's conference, which I have before, if I'm going to a women's conference that it is about empowerment, that is the perfect business card to use is that book. It's like, hey, I wrote a book called Seasons of My Soul. And these are some of the things that I'll talk about that, you know, that go along perfectly with us being in this room as women trying to find out who we are and be empowered to tap into who we are as women, the things that we've gone through and how to overcome it. So it really becomes a conversation piece and becomes an opportunity to begin to open up a dialogue with someone that you may be, uh, that you're, you know, conversing with at a, at a conference again, or at a networking uh, opportunity. So it really serves as, it really serves as a business card. It really does. And it opens up the conversation to begin to find out more about that person beyond the book. And I really agree with that. And One of the things that I like about how you started is that you wrote the empowerment book first. And the reason why I like that is because regardless of the industry or regardless of, you know, the client that you're dealing with, the audience when you're speaking or doing uh, consulting or what have you, Mm -hmm. you can always start on a humanistic level. You can always start on a soul to soul, eye to eye, heart to heart level, and then enter into how you dominate the HR industry. So I like that part. Um, exactly. And what, so, so, people, so people that are interested uh, in Seasons of My Soul, the book you currently have now, what could they expect from purchasing it and then diving into it? Well, uh, yeah, in purchasing that and diving into that, you really find out, again, like you said, tapping into the humanistic side of people. 
of myself. And it talks, and it really talks about um, a journey that I took. That's why it's called Seasons of My Soul, because I think everybody has a season. Everyone goes through a season of life, and where there's four seasons in the natural, right? So uh, it, it, it chronicled a journey that I had when I lived away from my family for 12 years. Obviously, I would come back and visit, but I lived away from my family for 12 years. So I started off really talking about my childhood, just kind of give a backdrop of where I came from as an individual. And then it talked about journeys of relationships um, you know, relationships that went wrong and how, you know, got past it. It talks about me when I lost everything at the age of 43 and how I began to turn that around. It talks about just being in a space where, um, you know, the, the dry season was just a little bit too dry. It's like, when am I going to see another season where I'm not struggling as much as I have in previous seasons? So it really talks the ebbs and flow of the seasons that I went through in my life during that 12-year period. So it just talks about the talks about uh, how to get past the the dry season or the desert season, as, as I like to call it, uh, in your life, and then how to keep holding on to your hope, holding on to hope. That really is um, that really is a strong thing for me. When you lose hope, you really lose a lot of things. But if you hold on to your hope, you hold on to a sense of of sanity, if you will, then you can get on the other side of that. So I just talk about the ebbs and flow of the seasons that I went through in my life during that time period. Which, as someone who has definitely been through ebbs and flows in their own life, me, I mm -hmm. can appreciate because number one, if you are definitely in the spring or the summer of your life, I am mm -hmm. happy for you in this moment. I congratulate you in this moment. I I revere you in this moment, but please know that seasons come and go, mm -hmm. and sometimes seasons are short-lived, and sometimes seasons last years, mm -hmm. and for some people, seasons even last decades, and yes. so while you are in your summer season, while you're in your spring season, just be mindful. Just be mindful that in those times to come, there is a resource, there is a tool uh, right now called Seasons of My Soul that in those times or someone that's connected to you that are mm -hmm. dealing with some things right now, they have a resource that they can get uh, by going to www.dalemarjohnson.com. And mm -hmm. as we wrap up this show, Delmar, one of the things I would like for you to consider doing is if let's say we have someone that is listening and mm -hmm. you know they're getting very 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 just feeling the the pressure and the gravity mm -hmm. of entrepreneurship and this whole making their first 10,000 like they know they want to be a millionaire they know they want to you know bust six figures wide open and they mm -hmm. just feel like maybe this isn't for them and they just they just want to know that this is possible. Could you speak and say something to them um, in this moment? Definitely, good question. And I will say to them, because something I thought about as she was talking earlier, is like a lot of times entrepreneurs, we would get caught up in the shiny object syndrome. And we'll begin looking too much at what the other people, what other people are doing that, you know, have the five figure, the six figure, the seven figure, the eight figure business that they've um, 
that they've worked on, you know, that they've worked toward and probably are worthy and earn, have earned. However, you really have to tap into what it is that you know that you bring into the marketplace, what it is that you know that you bring into, you know, the solution that you bring to the marketplace for that particular niche that is waiting on you to show up. So if you if when you when you get into excuse me when you get into that shiny object syndrome you really have to you really you really have to rebuke that thing for lack of a better word it's like you cannot get stuck in the shiny object syndrome and the reason why I talk about that because I was in it for a long time while it's just like oh wow you've already hit six figures you already hit seven seven figures like man and I'm still you know down here at the five figures which is nothing wrong with five figure business let's get that straight. But you cannot get caught up in that thinking that, okay, you're not going to reach that $10,000. But if you become, if you get clear about what the solution is that you bring, if you get clear about the why that you said that you, you know, that you wrote down on paper two years ago or three years ago, and maybe still hadn't hit that, your first $10,000. If you understand what it is that you're really supposed to be doing in the lane that you're wanting to go in, then that $10,000 will come. I prom I promise you. And no, it's not an overnight success for everybody. And most of the time it's not an overnight success. Even if they said that overnight success may have taken five years, may have taken 10 years to the point where it's like, okay, finally something has happened, but you have to have the tenacity as an entrepreneur, you have to, you know, you have to have the tenacity and the resilience to actually get through the ebbs and flows that are going to be inevitable. They are inevitable. But you have to understand what it is that you're really wanting to do and what it is that you what problem that you really are solving and how valuable the solution that you that you're wanting to offer in the marketplace is to those people who are waiting on you to show up. Nice, nice. So if you are listening to that and listening to this show and you did feel like, you know, maybe entrepreneurship wasn't for you, maybe because, you know, you weren't like everyone else, your success doesn't look like everyone else. I'm here to co-sign on everything Delmar said in that like five-figure businesses really do, they, they matter. Like mm -hmm. your your place in the marketplace, your place in the industry matters, and we need you. We admonish you to continue doing what you do, what you know you can do, what you've dreamed of doing so that people can know more about you and what you have to offer because someone somewhere is literally waiting for you to show up, not just for yourself, but for them. So Delmar, thank you so much for coming on to Genius Academy with Ace Laveau. Um, we extend the invitation for you to come back again. You have made a big difference for myself. You have made a big difference for the audience here, for every genius that is listening, every genius in training that is listening. Um, we thank you so much. and. We just really wish you the best with Seasons of My Soul, with HR Brain for Hire, and just for so they can know, please let us know where we can find you. Uh, all over social media, obviously, DelmarJohnson.com, and you can check me out at Facebook at uh, my name, <laughs> Delmar Johnson, and you can also check me out on uh, Instagram as the Small Biz HR Coach. So you Thank can find you so me anywhere. I'm, e I'm easy to find. All. 
Yes, and I will say she really is easy to find. You, like <laughs> seriously, Delmar D E L D E L M A R J O H N S O N. She really is easy to find. And as always, I am Ace Laveau. Dreams and blessings. Podcast is to ensure that you, the aspiring entrepreneur, you, the dreamer, you, the person that feels that you are pregnant with a a business idea, something that you want to bring to this world, something, and let's just be honest, you want to get paid for, even something that you want to uh, change the industry with, you want to dominate that industry. That's what this podcast, this is what this platform is for. So you can have the necessary information, the necessary tools that you need and that you deserve to get there quicker, sooner, and faster. So again, I am your host, Asa Laveau. We have a great show for you today. The reason why I'm saying that, because I often say to you guys that there are five pillars of business. So those five pillars start with marketing, telling people about your business. The next one is about sales. That is actually making the money, letting somebody understand what you have to offer and then giving them the grace and the space to choose you or what you're offering. And then right after that is operations. So we're, we finally are telling people about the business. We're finally making money. Our cash register, whether it be a physical cash register or a virtual cash register, they are ringing. Like we are getting notifications on our phone. We're making sales. It's feeling great. But what's next? Making sure that the system is in fact in place so that we can have a sustainable business. And within operations, sometimes we don't even consider that we're going to have to hire people. We're going to have people on our team so that we can scale. And what I mean by scale, we want to be able to grow the business in a, in a way that's bigger than what we can do. All right. So without further ado, I want to bring on today's, today's guest. And today's guest is Delmar Johnson. She has an organization called HR Brain for Hire, also known as the Rebootologist. Now, the reason why I'm bringing Delmar on is because I know that you are definitely, definitely, definitely going to be uh, one day, if not now, getting ready to have somebody in your business that's working for you as a contractor or an employee. So I want her to be able to help us uh, go through that journey together. And so without further ado, welcome Delmar. Hi, how are you? Hey, Asa, how are you? I'm so happy to be here. I'm doing really, really well, very well. So before we get started, something that I love to do so I, I don't know. I, sometimes I know that when I bring people on, they can be a little bit nervous. But with you, I don't think that's the case. But I'm still going <laughs> to continue. So one of the questions that I'd like to ask is, what was one of your favorite cartoons growing up? Oh, that's easy. Scooby-Doo. <laughs> oh, Scooby. Okay, why Scooby-Doo? That's a good. I like that choice. So why Scooby-Doo? Scooby-Doo was about uh, was about solving mysteries. 
obviously it was a cartoon, but it was about solving a mystery. So I always like to try to figure out what it is that they were trying to find out or who was the culprit in the Scooby-Doo, uh, uh, in the Scooby-Doo schemes, if you will, the Scooby-Doo crimes that they were trying to uh, investigate. So that I had a whole list, you know, I was a real kid. So I had a whole list of cartoons, but Scooby-Doo <laughs> was my favorite. <laughs> Well, cool. Um, so the reason why I asked that, because one of the things that I definitely want to make sure that the people that are listening understand is that in entrepreneurship, it's important to be a whole person. And so yes. just because, you know, we talk about strategies and developing businesses, there are people behind these things. And it's okay to actually see the person and not just the business. Exactly. I'm in total agreement with you. It's like we have to understand as entrepreneurs that we were human beings long before we decided to be entrepreneurs. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, another question that I make sure that I ask, because this, this, uh, this show, the purpose of this podcast is to ensure those people, the the young women, the young men, the older men, the older women that are looking to start their very own business. Uh, and my thing is you are as young or as old as you feel. And so if you're looking <laughs> to build your business in your first $10,000, what do you feel was the number one uh, barrier for you that looking back, you're like, if I would have just handled that barrier, I could have made my first thousands of dollars quicker, sooner, and faster. What was that one thing that you wish, looking back, you could have gotten over sooner? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's a good question, Asa. Probably a, different, a couple of different pieces to it, but probably the number one thing is to understand the problem that I solved quicker. If I had gotten more into what I like to call the zone of genius, which is perfect for the Genius Academy, right? Um, probably exactly. down what it is that I wanted to offer that was a solution for entrepreneurs. Because a lot of times we can okay. Get so when you right, you are very very correct. So when you first started out, what? Was it as niche as this? Did you know you wanted to help people, bringing people onto their team with human resources, or was it just, um, it was more broad? It was a little bit more broad because at the time when I actually started thinking about this entrepreneur journey that I've been in for the past several years, it's like I was more of an empowerment girl. So I was really, I was kind of split between, okay, do I want to do the empowerment side of who I am or do I want to do the side of me that had 20 plus years of experience in the HR field and how would I utilize that? So I wind up choosing the HR side first because the empowerment is natural. The empowerment comes with me everywhere I go. So uh, once I got that narrowed down, I actually had a coach that, that took me through some personal development um, person development cycle with her coaching program. And that actually helped me narrow down. So, okay, let me get focused on the piece that's already in my hand, which is the HR side, because naturally the empowerment side is going to come out. So once I got clear about that and began to just kind of test the waters, if you will, then I was able to begin niche it down to what I was going to be doing on the HR side for entrepreneurs. So I'd like, and we're going to stay there just for a second. And yes, we are. So if you're listening, yes, we are going to get to making sure we 
we racked uh, Delmar's brain about HR. But one of the things that you mentioned just <laughs> now was about the empowerment. So a lot of times I see that many people, especially women, especially women, they come into the entrepreneurial world and when asked what they intend to do in that world, a lot of times their response sounds like empowering, empowering women, empowering children, empowering mm-hmm. teens. Do mm-hmm. you feel that when you hear that, that's usually um, a, a, a statement that needs to be filtered or is that something that can actually be uh, quantitative as far as how to make money from it? Well, I, well, I think it's both. I think, first of all, you have to filter. So if you're going to be in the empowerment realm of the industry, you have to filter where you're going to direct that energy toward. Because, because a lot of times when you start out as, as an entrepreneur, you think that you're supposed to serve everybody and you're not. Um, this world is big, obviously, 7, million, 7 billion plus people on the planet. However, when you're, when you're trying to figure out which direction you're going to go and if the empowerment side is going to be the side that you need to define, you can even niche that down even further. Are you going to be empowering women through domestic violence? Are you going to be empowering women who are trying to get their finances together? Are you going to be empowering women that are, you know, like to travel and want to know how to do that on a budget. So, you know, narrowing down what that empowerment is going to do, uh, whether that's with women or youth or, you know, men too, um, then you have to define where you're going to direct that empowerment toward. And yes, it can be quantified and making money off of it, but you have to first get clear about what you're doing before you begin to make the money, if that makes sense. It makes so much perfect sense. Thank you for that. And one of the things you you touched on quickly is thinking that it's for everyone. And a part of mm-hmm. marketing, we talk about the five pillars of business. When you say that, you know, mm-hmm. my product, my service is for everyone, you can tell that right then and there, you don't understand. And it's really for no one at that point. When, once you niche mm-hmm. that thing down, then you can get very, very clear and go after the person that's been waiting for you uh, for sometimes their entire life. They've been waiting for you to show up, but you don't know that until you niche down. So thank you so much for saying that. Definitely. Yes. So the next, um, the next question that I have for you is, okay, so I, my, let's say my name is Ashley, and I say Ashley. I like that name because I know men that are named Ashley, and I know women that are named Ashley. So let's say my name is Ashley, mm-hmm. and I am just now getting started. So I have a business, and I'm, I'm starting to understand that this is a lot of work, and it's taking mm-hmm. everything out of me to do this thing. What would you tell me to consider, like I have things working, but I am feeling very, very overwhelmed at this moment. Um, And so what can I do Mm -hmm. or what should I consider as far as bringing somebody on my team to alleviate that level of overwhelm? Great question. It's a question I've asked, probably the number one question I've asked in all the years I've been doing HR is like, where do I even start, Delmar? And you really start at the beginning. A lot of times uh, entrepreneurs will come to me when they're in a state of overwhelm and then they don't hear what I'm saying. So if you get to a point of state of overwhelm, the first thing you need to do is stop. 
you need to stop, pull out a pen and paper or your, you know, your real cool laptop or smartphone and begin to write down what is it that you're doing in your business right now, all by yourself. You know, usually if you're all by yourself, you're the marketer, you're the social media manager, you're the email marketer, you're the salesperson and the candlestick maker. All right. So you're all things, but you need to write down what is it that you're actually doing on a daily basis. Just break it down to daily basis. Obviously, that list is probably going to be long, but you need to find out what are the core things that you're doing in your business that's actually bringing in business, that's actually bringing, allowing you to bring in clients and retain clients and bring on new clients and bring in revenue and profits, hopefully. But before you jump into, oh, I need to find somebody, but you hadn't defined who that person is or you hadn't defined the position or the job or the responsibilities or tasks that you're going to want someone to do. So first, I say stop. If you're in overwhelm, because overwhelm is going to get you in a lot of trouble. Stop, assess, write down, then go back and look at what it is that you wrote down and then define where it is that you need the most help right now. Now, you may need help in all 10 areas that you wrote down on your piece of paper, but what is the one or top one or two things that you know you need more immediate help with and the other things can be added on later. So before you even jump into hiring anybody, you hadn't defined what it is that you need in your business, you're going to be running around in circle on the hamster wheel. So I always say stop, assess, write down, go back and narrow down the top one, two or three things that you know you need help in and then begin to define what responsibilities are part of that, that role that you would like to fill. So thank you. Thank you for that. And so one of the things that I would like to do in this moment is before we go any further is definitely play this out as though I am actually the entrepreneur. So I'm actually the entrepreneur and let's say I have a t-shirt line. I know a lot of times people love um, the success that online apparel companies can have. And so I have an online t-shirt company and so i'm just going to pretend i i'm ashley for the moment and you can mm -hmm. stop me or clarify as i stop so the first thing that you said was stop so i know business still has to happen but i definitely need to find some type of quiet moment mm -hmm. at least 30 minutes an hour to just stop stop yes. doing us to get off social media uh if i'm single get off the dating sites like just for a minute just mm -hmm. be still like, just be still. All right. So I got all together and I've stopped. And the next thing is to write down things that I'm doing to get business. So mm -hmm. let's say right now I make three social media posts a day. I know I do one in the morning. I mm -hmm. do one in the afternoon and I do one in the evening. And what those social media posts usually are, there's most of the time they're motivational. However, they show a picture of myself or some friends of mine in the apparel that I've created or that I sell. And so I can literally say in one of the, I can write down, okay, three times a day, post on Facebook at this time, this time, and this time, and include a motivational quote and a high resolution picture of the items that are being sold at the store or boutique. Correct so far? Yes. 
Okay, awesome. So then once I write that down, I assess how long will this usually take somebody to do? How long is it taking me to do? So if it's taking me, uh, let's say, you know, five minutes to create the content, so I go find the image, I find the quote, and I post it. All of that takes roughly five to seven minutes for myself, so I can assess uh, what exactly needs to be done, as well as the time frame it needs to be done. And then I can define how important is that particular thing in my business, and if that's something that I should even be worried about, and if it's actually bringing in sales, correct? Correct. You are on a roll. <laughs> awesome. So I just wanted to make sure for everyone listening that when we when we bring people on to Genius Academy podcast, we are doing so with the intention of making everything a very actionable step so that mm-hmm. you can do this in the moment or right after. So of course we want to be entertaining, we want to be fun for you, but this is for you to make sure that ten thousand dollars is coming quicker, sooner, and faster. So thank you for that. Definitely. So what is one of the biggest, oh, did you have something to say further? No, I'm sorry. I was putting you on mute so you wouldn't hear me cough. (laughs) (laughs) No worries. No worries at all. No worries. We get it. Like you are a human being, a human. (laughs) It's okay. So, so what would you say that when people come, come to you, what are one of the things that people say they are so afraid of? Mm-hmm. Oh, good question. What the fear usually hangs around is the fact that, first of all, they don't, they don't feel comfortable in what they're doing. Second of all, is that they don't know if the person is going to be good for their business. And third of all, it's like they're kind of scared to actually give up a level of control in their business when they're, and don't understand the power of delegation or how to do it effectively. So those are the three areas of that fear when someone comes to me. I don't know what I'm doing, uh, Dale Myers. Like, I don't have a clue. It's like, I don't know if the person's going to be good enough to do it like I do it. And then, you know, the third one is, well, you know, I don't want to give up that much control of my business to someone I don't know. So those are the three levels of fear or the three components of fear that usually someone is speaking to me about. So those, v- those fears sound very, very valid to me. And mm-hmm. the, the fear that I even hear and that I've even said myself is that mm-hmm. I don't believe that nobody, that anyone can do it the way that I do it. So when you come across CEOs, executives, business owners that say, you know, I just don't really feel that no one can, no one can do this like me. What is your response to that fear? Well, first of all, the first part of my response is, uh, um, okay, I hear what you're saying. I completely understand that. And then I also say, well, I am a resource for you to come to. So to kind of ease that anxiety, that's what I'm here for. That's why I began my brand. And let's talk about what that means. And then I also put in a live scenario. It's like, you know, I'm sure Fred Smith, who is the founder, who is the founder and board chairman of uh, FedEx probably thought the same thing when he wrote that C minus level paper at Yale. Teacher told him it wasn't going to work, but he decided to make it, make, take the risk and do it anyway. Now look at FedEx. 
or the person who started UPS or the person who or Jeff Bezos who started started Amazon. I'm sure he wasn't completely so oh, you know, no one can really do it like me, but all those companies are multi-billion dollar companies today because somebody took the risk, somebody uh, sought out sought after a resource that could kind of guide them, kind of maybe hold their hands and taking that risk that they were doing. And then they had to um, put in mechanisms that would help them find the people that would be culturally fit for their business. So I used to start off uh, with, you know, easing their, easing their fear, letting, letting them know that I completely hear them. I understand why they've never maybe done it before. I hadn't done it often enough. I'm here to help you. And then I give them a live scenario of the companies that we utilize every single day. If they had not taken the chance or the risk, or it's like, you know, that, that bubbly feeling they probably had in their stomachs, like, oh my God, I need to bring some people on that's going to help me, but I don't know if it's going to work out, but I got to take a chance because I believe in my vision enough for it not to overtake the fear that I have in actually bringing someone on into my business. That thank you for saying that. I can if you're if you're listening to this while you're listening to this, I'm talking to the audience right now. If you're when you as you're listening to this, I I just like you am definitely seeing Del Mar's experience. She has 20 years plus experience in this in this uh, in this particular area of expertise and. If you are looking for somebody to assist you as far as how do I get, you know, everything out of myself and put on paper so that other people can follow uh, the system that I built so that my business can grow and I can focus on things that I'm great at rather than being chief officer of everything, CEO mm -hmm. and COE. So there's no point in doing that. So yes, Delma, I, I brought her on here so she can show you all that there is more to this than being overwhelmed and stressed out and thinking that no one is out there that can assist you. So Delmar, you talked about, you know, Fred Smith and FedEx and you talked and we're talking about fear. What I would like to know and so that the audience can know what what please let me know a time where you had fear in your own business and what did you do to get past that fear oh i've had a lot of fears along the way i remember distinctly in 2013 when i actually had decided to step away from what i was uh, attempting to do at that time at that time i had only been a couple of years into this idea of hr brain for higher uh, brand so i was still figuring some things out right but in 2000, probably 2013, it just seems like it wasn't getting any traction. I said, well, maybe there's some things that I'm not doing right. Of course, we're going to fail. We're going to have failure. That's part of success. And I said, I, I, I couldn't necessarily put my finger on, okay, what is it that I really should be doing? So I actually, out of fear, kind of stepped away from it for, the, uh, for almost a year. For almost a year of doing it. Because I said, I got to figure some things out before I keep spinning my wheels. So that fear actually stopped me. But it, but my fear on the other side of that fear, it actually propelled me into understanding more of what I needed to be doing. So I, my fear actually caused me to stop, but the stopping actually worked in my favor. So by the time 2014 came around and I began to reconnect with my first, with my first business coach and mentor, and actually she was my first paying client when I was test driving everything out, 
um, picked up the phone and reached out to me. And that began, and we, of course, we began the conversation again about some things that I wanted to do, but I wasn't quite sure how to do it or how to approach it or how to narrow it down. So my fear actually did stop me in 2013, but fear is not always a bad thing. If fear is going to sometimes make you be still long enough to figure things out, to push you forward, then that fear can be used for fuel instead of stopping you completely. And that's what I used it for. It, it, it caused me to stop, reassess, think about what in the world am I doing? Do I really want to keep doing this? how to do it from a corporate standpoint but the entrepreneurs are not getting why they why what i offer is necessary or what the value that i bring to the uh to the small business and marketplace community so i had to that fear wound up being in my favor so i was had the audacity and the risk taking the risk to actually stop it's like okay let me just stop before i before i just mess up something that I don't want to mess up. So that actually worked in my favor. And I hadn't stopped since then either. So we're five years in now. Well, congratulations on being five years in after <laughs> that, you know, up and down roller coaster of yes. entrepreneurship. And so, and for those of you all that are listening, that is a more common story mm -hmm. than you know this just trajectory that just goes up and up up in a way that mm -hmm. never has a dip and even those that say you know there are this up up and away there are times that they may never tell you about that are mm -hmm. definitely dips within their journey that are real and my thing is there's nothing wrong with them it's all about how you bounce back recover and show your resiliency uh, throughout that dip. And one of the things that you talked about just now was, you know, that you had to take a year off. And in mm -hmm. entrepreneurship, sometimes we can feel bad, really, really bad about the fact that sometimes what we planned just mm -hmm. isn't working. So the mm -hmm. money that we thought was going to happen isn't there. Mm -hmm. The clients that we thought that said they were going to support us, not showing up. So in those moments, we may actually be like, you know what? It's time for us to get something that I refer to as a silent investor, also known as a job. Mm -hmm. Seriously, yes. to actually pay what it takes to get into entrepreneurship and to build your business because money has to come from somewhere, either sales or an investor or a silent investor, what I call a job. So mm -hmm. can you even uh, say some things to people that may be even looking for a job because I am not one of those people that say or not one of those coaches that suggest that just because you have a job, even a part-time job, that somehow you are mm -hmm. anything less than a true entrepreneur. So if you're looking for a job, what can you offer them as well? Oh, most definitely, because I'm a prime example of that. I was a parallelpreneur, which is what I like to call it, you know, because you're parallel with working your dream on the side and actually able to eat. On the other side, meaning you have a investor, you have a job, a job, whatever vernacular you want to use, uh, that's actually keeping the lights on and putting food on your table. So you have to be practical on one side of your brain, and you have to, you know, still tap into that creativity and innovation on the other side. So I was a parallelpreneur until two and a half years ago. Let's keep that real. I was a parallelpreneur, so I was a teacher. I always wanted to be a college teacher, so I wound up being an adjunct professor for a few years. Prior to that, I was still working in HR, but just in a contractor role. So I am now full time, you know, putting my 
service out there as an independent HR consultant for the past two and a half years. So being a parallelpreneur actually is smart. If you need to go back to a job or if you, you know, you, you're in your job right now, you're in your career, your career job right now, well, that's fueling you to be able to invest in your side dream because your side dream doesn't always have to be your side dream, but you have to make that decision for yourself. I know plenty of parallelpreneurs that actually love their corporate job not just the paycheck, they actually like what they're doing in their job and in their career, but then they also have the passion to do what they do outside of the walls because we really, in, in the full scheme of things, we all should have anywhere between five to seven strands of income. Now, this may not be the podcast for that, but we were talking about getting to your first $10,000. So you want to understand that money can come and that revenue stream can come from different places. It can come from your salad investor. It can come from your, your side dream and your, and your side dream can sprout out to other streams of, of income. Right? So there's nothing wrong. I'm one of those coaches and, and HR trainers too. It's like, no, if you need a job and that is actually keeping you sane because you're not doing this, this, um, this this famine, you know, this up and down thing, you know, you, you feast and famine, as they call it, in entrepreneurship, then that's going to keep your sanity in order to be more focused on what your dream is outside of that nine to five wall. So I'm an advocate for it because I was because I did it myself. And if there was a time that come in the future where I have to do that again, I would do it without hesitation. Thank you so much for saying that. And Delmar, just so you know, this is the podcast for that information. This is <laughs> exactly. definitely the podcast for all of that because what sometimes happens in entrepreneurship, and I'm even talking for myself, sometimes we want to wear, desire to wear the badge of entrepreneurship so bad that mm -hmm. we put ourselves in harm's way financially just so that we can make a Facebook post, an Instagram post, a blog post mm -hmm. talking about entrepreneurship but at the same time, we have, you know, you might have children at home. They need to be fed. You have mm -hmm. rent that needs to be paid. And so there's nothing wrong with doing what you need to do to make that happen. Everybody's success journey looks different. No one's success has to look the exact same. Comparison is a thief of all joy. There is no reason mm -hmm. why you're doing, you're setting up your boutique, you're doing your, uh, your apparel line, you're becoming a coach, you're becoming a speaker, you're becoming an author, um, a daycare owner. It does not matter, but uh, we want you to make sure that you're thriving. I myself can remember my little boy, who I call my son, my S-O-N and my S-U-N, not being able to, I sent him to school without food. Why? Because I had a badge of honor that I was an entrepreneur and what really needed to happen, I needed to let that go, let that mm -hmm. pride go, let that ego go mm -hmm. and make some money so mm -hmm. that my boy could eat food. <laughs> because guess <laughs> what? He wasn't eating Instagram, he wasn't eating Instagram memes yes. and getting high off of motivational speakers. He needed sustenance, and I needed to provide that as a father. So please remember in your entrepreneurial journey that all of those things are important, and we don't want you to be homeless. Yes, there are entrepreneurs that have made great successes and have homeless stories. Robert Kiyosaki, the author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, mm -hmm. homeless. Uh, Tyler mm -hmm. Perry, homeless. But mm -hmm. you don't have to do that. You don't have to go that route. And so that's what we're here doing our best to tell you. So, one other thing, Delmar, that mm -hmm. I would love for us to talk about is, is there a way 
let's say I'm an entrepreneur. I'm actually the entrepreneur and mm. we, I'm just not at a point right now in my finances because let's say the business really is taking care of me and those that I need to support or just me. And mm-hmm. I don't, but I know that I don't have the money to really pay somebody a full time salary. What are some, some alternatives to paying someone a full salary? Okay. I got a couple of, a few answers for that one. The first one is something probably the top probably the top one or two things that I talk about all the time. It's actually, if you're starting out like that and your budget is almost non-existent sometimes, then I would suggest the first line of defense is internship. Having interns and actually develop your own internship program. Now, let me put a caveat on that. It's more than just going out and getting a college student. It's like, oh, yeah, I can go uh, get that college student for free, and I can get them, you know, throw these tasks at that person, him or her, and they can get those done while I'm over here concentrating and talking on the phone with the client. It's so much more than that because there's structure that should be behind an internship. Because an intern, uh, internship should always have an element of an educational experience. If an internship doesn't have an educational experience, you don't have an internship. So there's structure that has to be put around, put around that. I'll talk about that and teach about that uh, all the time. <laughs> so that's probably one of the number of top three things that I'm asked about, how to do that. So that's one element that you can look at when you, your, your money is funny, your change is strange, as I like to say, and your budget is not where it needs to be. Another, another thing is actually building relationship with people who do things that you don't know how to do but you have a skill set that they don't know how to do. And how about getting on, how about building a, a relationship with maybe some strategic partners that, so if you're, if you're great at the IT side of things, you know, the IT, the technology behind the scene things with business and somebody else is good with marketing, why don't you have a conversation with them? It's like, listen, I know you need the IT part of it, the tech part of it. I need the marketing piece. Why don't, how about, you know, let's do some, some strategic collaboration and I, you know, I set up your marketing plan for you and, uh, and the other person can set up the tech plan for them or go behind the scenes and set up their CRM or something like that. So building relationships with strategic partners can do that as well. And then, you know, you have those uh, platforms like Upwork.com that have freelancers where, you know, even if you only have maybe, I don't know, let's say a hundred dollars to work with, where if you go to uh, uh, Upwork.com, there are, there are opportunities for you to be able to utilize that one or $200 budget that you may be working with and and begin to get some things done. So you have to really be creative in that. Oh, you know what? Let me give you a fourth thing, Asa, because I said it was three. Let me give you a fourth thing. Also tap, tap into your friends or your family that is looking to do some kind of uh, sweat equity, if you will, in your business who believes in what you're doing. They have a skill set that they don't mind volunteering some time for you to get, you know, to help get you off the ground and help you build, build the basis of your business. So, you know, I always say don't necessarily uh, put family and friends into your business, but there are family and friends that we have that really believe in what you're doing. And those are the ones that you want to, you know, you want to tap into and say, hey, I need help with this. I know you skilled at that. I can give you some exposure for that if you help me with this. So it's just a, even another barter situation, if you will, even with a good family or friend who really believes in what you're doing and want to at least sow some time into your business, even if they can't sow money 
into your business. So those are just four things, right? You know, just right off, you know, top of our conversation about how you can uh, tap into a, a skill set that you need, even when you don't have the money for uh, to give it in exchange for the skill set. Great, great content um, that I believe was very useful. And for those of you that are listening, please, I, if you did not catch that, I need you to rewind. <laughs> I need you to rewind now and take notes on every single thing she just offered, because all of those are very, those tools are are going to end up being necessary and tools like those being necessary so that you have them. Um, mm -hmm. So the next question I have for you, so we talked about the different ways to get them. And so mm -hmm. if I'm new to this world of bringing people on, one of the things that I could be totally just something that could just blow my brain about mm -hmm. is, okay, well, I have all these options. How do I vet these people? What mm -hmm. are at least two different questions that I can ask either an intern or a freelancer mm -hmm. or um, let's say someone that is bartering services? What are at least two questions that I can ask them to make sure that I, that they can maybe be a good fit for me and I them? Okay, good question. So let's look at it. So you've, you've gone through the process that we kind of talked about at the top of the podcast. You've gone through the process of determining what it is that you need help with. And in that, you understand what the tasks are that you're going to want the person to do. So one of the questions could be, one of the questions could be after you've conveyed to them what it is that you would like them to do is to find out what experience, if any, that they have in that area that you particularly need work in. So that could be where they give you a sample of their work. It's like, do you have a sample of the work that I'm going to want you to do if it winds up being a good fit? So you want to ask them about their background in accordance to what it is that you actually want them to do. So if they have direct experience with that or if, they, uh, if it's an intern, maybe they've had curriculum in the, in the school setting, in the college setting, that they've already gotten some experience through, through, that, uh, through that medium of learning what it is that you want them to do, and then they can come in and um, they can come in and begin to address what it is that you want them to do. But you can always ask for a writing sample. Say, for instance, you want them to come in and write, you know, ghost write some blogs. All right. So you can ask them for writing samples of what they've written in class, what they've written in, uh, you know, their literature class or something like that. Just particularly interns. But even with uh, a freelance or someone that you're going to be doing some strategic partnership uh, with, you can also ask them, okay, what type of, what type of um, portfolio of work have you done? You know, what samples can you send me to let me know that it would be a good fit with what I'm trying to do? So that's one question you can ask them. And then another question uh, you can ask them is where have they actually applied those, that skill set before? Has it been in a previous employer? Has it been with other other people that they have strategically partnered with or other clients. So you can ask those two particular questions of someone's like, you know, let me, let me see your work. You know, do you have examples of your work and where have you, where have you applied that work for a previous employer or a previous, you know, strategic partner or uh, another freelance client that you've had? Man, thank you. I believe that the, what you just gave really was needed and people that are listening i've been an entrepreneur since i was 22 years old currently at the date of this recording i'm 35 so everything she's telling you 
is things that I've experienced myself and questions that I presented that have made all the difference in hiring somebody or just knowing maybe I shouldn't bring somebody on at this time. So mm-hmm. thank you so much for that. So what I would like to really get into now is one of the ways that you market yourself. So if any of you, so if you're listening, please at this time go to www.delmarjohnson.com. That's www.d-e-l-m-a-r-j-o-h-n-s-o-n.com. And so one of the things that you're going to find on that website at this time is uh, Delmar wrote a book called Seasons of My Soul. And what I would like to talk about right now is though you really do help, Uh, people with HR, you have to, for yourself, you have to think about marketing yourself. Mm -hmm. And a book I have found is a great way to market yourself by reading an additional uh, resource to Mm -hmm. clientele, to an audience. So how has a book really helped you get your name out there? Well, even uh, even in that book, and I'm actually writing an HR book for H entrepreneurs right now, um, is it wind up being a business card, if you will. You know, we'll go to networking events or go to conferences or workshops or things of that nature. And, you know, you begin to talk about what you do or, you know, what your uh, zone of genius is and that you do. And a book actually serves as a, as a, as a business card. And you can open up the conversation with with the things that you've talked about in the book. Not necessarily, you know, just say, oh yeah, in chapter three, this is what I talk about, but just talking about <laughs> some of the things, you know, but just talk about some of the things that you've done and, and why it is that you even wrote the book, you know, when you've had that that time to do that. And with that seasons of my soul book, it was more on the empowerment side of me. So if I'm going to a women's conference, which I have before, and I'm going to a women's conference that it is about empowerment, that is the perfect business card to use is that book. It's like, hey, I wrote a book called Seasons of My Soul. And these are some of the things that I'll talk about that, you know, that go along perfectly with us being in this room as women trying to find out who we are and be empowered to tap into who we are as women, the things that we're going through and how to overcome it. So it really becomes a conversation piece. And becomes an opportunity to begin to open up a dialogue with someone that you may be, uh, that you're, you know, conversing with at a at a conference again or at a networking uh, opportunity. So it really serves as it really serves as a business card. It really does, and it opens up the conversation to begin to find out more about that person beyond the book. And I really agree with that. And. One of the things that I like about how you started is that you wrote the empowerment book first. And the reason why I like that is because regardless of the industry or regardless of, you know, the client that you're dealing with, the audience when you're speaking or doing uh, consulting or what have you, mm-hmm. you can always start on a humanistic level. You can always yes. start on a soul to soul, eye to eye, heart to heart level, and then enter into how you dominate the HR industry. So I like that part. Um, exactly. And what, so, so, people, so people that are interested uh, in Seasons of My Soul, the book you currently have now, what could they expect from purchasing it and then diving into it? Well, uh, yeah, in purchasing that and diving into that, you really find out, again, like you said, tapping into the humanistic side of people. 
of myself. And it talks, and it really talks about um, a journey that I took. That's why it's called Seasons of My Soul, because I think everybody has a season. Everyone goes through a season of life, and where there's four seasons in the natural, right? So uh, it, it, it chronicled a journey that I had when I lived away from my family for 12 years. Obviously, I would come back and visit, but I lived away from my family for 12 years. So I started off really talking about my childhood, just kind of give a backdrop of where I came from as an individual. And then it talked about journeys of relationships, um, you know, relationships that went wrong and how, you know, get past it. It talks about me when I lost everything at the age of 43 and how I began to turn that around. It talks about just being in a space where, um, you know, the, the dry season was just a little bit too dry. It's like, when am I going to see another season where I'm not struggling as much as I have in previous seasons? So it really talks the ebbs and flow of the seasons that I went through in my life during that 12-year period. So it just talk about the, talks about uh, how to get past the, the dry season or the desert season, as I like to call it, uh, in your life, and then how to keep holding on to your hope holding on to hope that really is um that really is a strong thing for me when you lose hope you really lose a lot of things but if you hold on to your hope you hold on to a sense of of sanity if you will then you can get on the other side of that so i just talk about the ebbs and flow of the seasons that i went through in my life during that time period which as someone who has definitely been through ebbs and flows in their own life, me, I mm -hmm. can appreciate because number one, if you are definitely in the spring or the summer of your life, I am mm -hmm. happy for you in this moment. I congratulate you in this moment. I, I revere you in this moment, but please know that seasons come and go. Mm -hmm. And sometimes seasons are short-lived and sometimes seasons last years. Mm -hmm. And for some people, seasons even last decades. And yes. so while you are in your summer season, while you're in your spring season, just be mindful. Just be mindful that in those times to come, there is a resource, there is a tool uh, right now called Seasons of My Soul that in those times or someone that's connected to you that are mm -hmm. dealing with some things right now, they have a resource that they can get uh, by going to www.dalemarjohnson.com. And mm -hmm. as we wrap up this show, Delmar, one of the things I would like for you to consider doing is if let's say we have someone that is listening and mm -hmm. you know they're getting very 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 just feeling the the pressure and the gravity mm -hmm. of entrepreneurship and this whole making their first 10,000 like they know they want to be a millionaire they know they want to you know bust six figures wide open and they mm -hmm. just feel like maybe this isn't for them and they just they just want to know that this is possible. Could you speak and say something to them um, in this moment? Definitely. Good question. And I will say to them, because something I thought about as you was talking earlier is like a lot of times entrepreneurs, we will get caught up in the shiny object syndrome. And we'll begin looking too much at what the other people, what other people are doing that, you know, have the five figure, the six figure, the seven figure, the eight figure business that they've um, 
that they've worked on, you know, that they've worked toward and probably are worthy and earn, have earned. However, you really have to tap into what it is that you know that you bring into the marketplace, what it is that you know that you bring into, you know, the solution that you bring to the marketplace for that particular niche that is waiting on you to show up. So if you if when you when you get into excuse me when you get into that shiny object syndrome you really have to you really you really have to rebuke that thing for lack of a better word it's like you cannot get stuck in the shiny object syndrome and the reason why I talk about that because I was in it for a long time while it's just like oh wow you've already hit six figures you already hit seven seven figures like man and I'm still you know down here at the five figures which is nothing wrong with five figure business let's get that straight. But you cannot get caught up in that thinking that, okay, you're not going to reach that $10,000. But if you become, if you get clear about what the solution is that you bring, if you get clear about the why that you said that you, you know, that you wrote down on paper two years ago or three years ago, and maybe still hadn't hit that, your first $10,000. If you understand what it is that you're really supposed to be doing in the lane that you're wanting to go in, then that $10,000 will come. I I promise you. And no, it's not an overnight success for everybody. And most of the time it's not an overnight success. Even if they said that overnight success may have taken five years, may have taken 10 years to the point where it's like, okay, finally something has happened, but you have to have the tenacity as an entrepreneur, you have to, you know, you have to have the tenacity and the resilience to actually get through the ebbs and flows that are going to be inevitable. They are inevitable. But you have to understand what it is that you really wanted to do and what it is that you, what problem that you really are solving and how valuable the solution that you, that you're wanting to offer in the marketplace is to those people who are waiting on you to show up. Nice, nice. So if you are listening to that and listening to this show and you did feel like, you know, maybe entrepreneurship wasn't for you, maybe because, you know, you weren't like everyone else, your success doesn't look like everyone else. I'm here to co-sign on everything Delmar said in that like five-figure businesses really do, they, they matter. Like mm-hmm. your your place in the marketplace, your place in the industry matters, and we need you. We admonish you to continue doing what you do, what you know you can do, what you've dreamed of doing so that people can know more about you and what you have to offer because someone somewhere is literally waiting for you to show up, not just for yourself, but for them. So Delmar, thank you so much for coming on to Genius Academy with Ace Laveau. Um, we extend the invitation for you to come back again. You have made a big difference for myself. You have made a big difference for the audience here, for every genius that is listening, every genius in training that is listening. Um, we thank you so much. and. We just really wish you the best with Seasons of My Soul, with HR Brain for Hire. And just for so they can know, please let us know where we can find you. Uh, all over social media, obviously, DelmarJohnson.com. And you can check me out at Facebook at uh, my name, <laughs> Delmar Johnson. And you can also check me out on uh, Instagram as the Small Biz HR Coach. So you Thank can find you me so anywhere. I'm, e- I'm easy to find. All. 
Yes, and I will say, she really is easy to find. You, <laughs> like, seriously, Delmar, D-E-L-D-E-L-M-A-R-J-O-H-N-S-O-N. She really is easy to find. And as always, I am Ace Laveau, dreams and blessings.